Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, through tools to try to answer any automotive questions you might have, why don't you give us a call? It's 499-9526. And you drop a 225 in front of that number, you can reach us from anywhere in the continental United States. That's absolutely correct. And, and if, we appreciate hearing from you wherever you may be. That's right. And if you know the country codes, or, get us you can in the get, world. There you go. We'd be happy to talk to you this morning. That's right. You give us a call, we're going to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And I see we've got a caller already. Good morning, Joe. How you doing, Louis? Doing great, man. I ain't doing too good. I got Uh-oh. a problem. <laughs> okay. I have a 1970 Charger RT that uh-huh. I restored. Okay. I had the motor done at Southland Performance in, in Homer. They mm-hmm. used my block, my head. They went through the whole engine, put mm-hmm. a hemi-crank in it, hydraulic lift. The car sat up, the motor sat up for five years. Wow. It was dynoed. Mm-hmm. And I put it in the car. And it ran fine. I went to the coast last month for cruising the coast. Yes. Right. I put about 400 miles on the car, and it ran good. Mm-hmm. I come back the last week or so, I can't get it to run hardly. I changed the condenser, and it ran for a second, and it cut off. If you set the points at what it's supposed to be, point zero one seven, it mm-hmm. won't run. If okay. you set it at point zero three five, the car will run. Okay. Uh, check the call. You think the call, huh? Check the call. Yeah, make sure you got yeah. adequate because when you're changing your point gap, what you're doing is you're changing the dwell, which is the amount of time the call has to build energy before the field collapses. Same thing with the condenser. That helps to collapse the field. If you got a weak call, that both of those are going to help it temporarily, but they're not going to solve the problem. I can't guarantee you that's it, but I would certainly check that. Okay. That would be the well, first thing I'd look at. When it's set on the point setting, it's supposed to be it'll backfire through the carburetor. Yeah, well, you're changing the time and see. Right. When you're changing the point setting, the, as you start to close down on the points, you're advancing the timing. When you widen the points, you're retarding the timing. Okay. So you're you're affecting the timing on the vehicle. But I would check the call first. If that's not it, I would run a compression test on the motor. It is possible it could have jumped time or something like that. But I mean, I wouldn't go looking for something like that until I check all the simple stuff first. Okay, but when I was turning the motor off, the sucker would want to keep running. Yeah, well, they're going to do that. That's, yeah. that's just a hot rod. It's because idle too high and the time is too far advanced. I mean, there's a okay. number of ways you can go about fixing that, but that's just typical hot rod performance. They're going to do that. Well, you know, you got I the get, throttles open and the time is too far advanced. It's going to keep running when you cut the key off. Okay. you got to have a solenoid or something. Going, I'm going to bring it to your shop. You well, do I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you better not be in a hurry. <laughs> no, I ain't in no hurry. All I, right. I've been, I've been restoring the car for five years. I okay. ain't in no hurry. Uh, All right. So uh, I need to make an appointment or just bring it over there? Just bring it over. Just drop it all. Okay. We, we have to work it in between stuff. Okay, man. All right, Joe. Thanks, man. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Alright, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive eye, we'd love to have you. Boy, that was a blast from the past, huh? Oh yeah. Points he's <laughs> talking about well, he's talking about when you cut the key off, it wants to keep running. Right. And when you started modifying a car, that was one of the first things that would occur. Because what happens is you get a situation known as dieseling. And what dieseling is, because there is still flow through that carburetor because it's idle up too high. Right. And because the timing is pretty far advanced, the chamber gets pretty hot. And so what happens is that it continues to fire off the heat in the chamber, much like a diesel does. Uh-huh. So it'll keep running. And I remember we used to have that problem quite a bit. One way you would solve it, of course, would be to retard the timing. But if you would do that, you would lose performance. So Correct. you didn't want to do that. Correct. Another way to deal with that is to put a solenoid on the carburetor and have the solenoid idle the carburetor rather than the idle screw. Correct. That, that way, way you turn, you the, turn key the key off, it closes completely, slams the throttle shut, and chokes the air off so it'll go ahead and die. Exactly. So, yeah, that was the old hot rodder's trick. That's right. And actually, some uh, stock cars actually came that way. Uh-huh. 
So yeah, that, you talking about back in the day? Now you talking about <laughs> you, you dragging up some old history? Oh here. yeah, yeah, yeah. But they would actually come with a idle cut solenoid on them because as cars started to get, I guess, more and more advanced. But before they had computers, they started encountering problems like that. Sure, and that was the way they dealt with it. it was dealt with on a mechanical basis. Well, everything was mechanical back in the day. That's right, and it was they could come up with a number of really, really practical solutions to problems like that. Sure, using different devices and stuff. But yeah, that kind of stretching the old memory banks a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the phone line with George. Good morning, George. Good morning. Good yes, morning. Sir. I hope y'all are doing as well as I am. Doing I'm great. Sitting here looking at the color of the leaves change in the Smoky Mountains in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Oh boy! Oh, wow. Well, you are doing well then. That's right. I got a little question for you. I've got my son has a Honda Civic, a 2006 Honda Civic, okay. got transmission, mm-hmm. and somewhere along the line he saw something about supposedly changing the transmission fluid or something, and I, okay. what I was able to look up said that there's no, I couldn't find a maintenance schedule for your transmission oil. It just said that whenever it's needed, the dash panel information thing would not really they don't really include a lot of stuff like that george you got to remember when an engineer designs a car what his bosses tell him is that we want this car to last one hundred thousand miles that's what you're designing it for number two we want the lowest possible maintenance schedule we can get so anything you can cut off that schedule cut it off so he looks at a life of one hundred thousand miles and says okay we ain't got to change fluid because you don't if you're going to throw it away at one hundred and ten thousand miles you never have to change it now, if you're like most people and you got to drive it beyond that, I would be changing that fluid probably around fifty to 60,000 miles just yeah. because all oil, any petroleum product, the additives in it are going to go away in time. And as they do, you can start to get foam, which breaks down the lubrication. You can start to get varnish. You can start to get a lot of things. You're definitely going to benefit by going ahead and draining and refilling. Is this a standard transmission? Yeah. Yeah, that's a piece of cake, just basically a drain and fill. Easier even than changing the oil in the engine because there's no filter to deal with. But you just take the plug out, drain it out. as a fill plug in the side, fill it back up. And I would go to Honda and buy the manual transmission fluid from Honda because it has its own specification. And some people are going to tell you, you can use this, you can use that. I wouldn't do it because it's not worth the risk. No, and, you know, it's not a huge amount of money to buy it from Honda. It's probably six, seven bucks a quart. I mean, maybe you can buy something somewhere else, five dollars a quart. So you save four bucks and you burn transmission up. Yeah, well, okay. I, I found it curious that there wasn't anything that you'll see that more and more. Right? They just they're taking things out of the maintenance schedule because they want to lower the maintenance costs. You yeah. know, when a person buys a car now, one thing they look at is what's the maintenance cost. They say, well, you got no maintenance for hundred thousand miles. Well, that's great. People scoop it up, but what they don't think about is if you keep the car hundred twenty thousand miles, you can have major breakdowns. Well, most people think that. Hey, 100,000 miles, I'll get rid of this one and get another one. Yeah, but that usually well, happens. Yeah, when they get there, they think, wait, I still owe money on this car. I need to do something now, and it's too late. Yeah, and see, I got a 2000, well, 2000, Two. 2002 model truck, uh, GMC pickup truck in my shop right now. We put an engine in just for the same reason. He went 7,000 miles between all changes. That thing is so sludged up. There's no oil pressure, knocking, and everything else. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. 120,000 miles, got to put an engine in it. Oh, goodness. So. I remember. I can remember back when getting eighty thousand, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand miles on an engine was considered good. Well, we may go back to that for a yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the way we seem to be heading. All right, I sure do appreciate it. All right, George. Thanks, man. Bye bye. Bye bye. Four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive fight, we'd love to have you. And we're going back to our lines with Ben. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Lewis and Brian. How are you? Doing we're great, doing sir. great. Hey, I've got a nineteen ninety six Toyota T one hundred. 
and it's only got 29,000 miles wow, on it. Wow, okay. Jeez. I've went through and changed all the oil in the transmission, mm-hmm. the rear end, the front end, but I haven't done the antifreeze yet. Okay. okay. I know it needs to be done. Oh, yeah. And I like to do a lot of my own work, mm-hmm. and I've, I know that if you just drain the radiator, you're only getting about half the fluid. That's correct. What would be the, the correct way to drain all the antifreeze out of the, it's got the 3.4 v6 right you're not going to get all of the antifreeze out of it but what we're after is the majority vast majority usually on the passenger side or the side without the starter i don't remember which side the starter is on that block but usually the other side has a drain plug in the side of the block that you can take out and you can drain that side of the block down the other side where the starter is it's usually buried either behind the starter or behind the engine mount which are impossible to get to but doing the block and mm-hmm. doing the radiator, you're going to get probably 85% of the coolant out of it. Right. Is, now, is the drain like an expandable freeze plug? Or no, it's, no, it's going to be a, a hex edit plug. Right. It's going to look oh, like a, the end of a like pipe plug. Pipe plug. Yeah. Okay. Now, you touched on a good point, Ben. If you just really need to get it all out of there for some reason, you can knock one of the freeze plugs out and let it drain there and just put another freeze plug in. I have right. seen people do that. but I don't recommend it no, because what, putting a new freeze plug back in is be difficult. difficult to get it to seal. And it's best not to mess with them if you don't have to. And I've got an article on the site about this exact topic. And what I recommend is to catch what comes out and measure it. And that way you know exactly how much you've gotten out of it. Not a matter of guessing. And that system holds between 10.6 and 10.8 quarts, depending on if it's a manual or automatic transmission vehicle. So if you just measure what comes out, let's say you get 8 quarts out. Well, you know you got 80%. If you get 9 quarts out, you got 90%. And like that, you can go ahead and do the math. And if you can't get enough of it out, what you can always do is go ahead and replace what you can, run it about a week, and come back and do it again. And that's going to get probably 95%. Okay. All righty. All right, thank you. Where you calling from, Ben? Ohio. All right, what part? Athens. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're going to be up there around Christmas time. You are? Yeah, we're going to, uh, actually, we're going to go to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Oh, yeah. That's great, great. I've never seen that, boy. They got more warbirds in there than you could ever shake a stick at. Yep, it's a great place to take a Boy Scout trip. It really is. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right, well, Ben, hold on and give them your name and address, and I'll get an Agco T-shirt out to you. Thank you. Okay, thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 499-9526, number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Eye, we'd love to have you. We're going right straight back to our, not that one, though. <laughs> we got Sherry online. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. How are you? Doing great, man. Doing very well. Awesome guys from Ohio calling all the way down to our little local Oh, yeah, yep. yeah. We get a lot of calls from all around <laughs> That is very cool. Well, listen, I have a 1966 Plymouth Valiant. Okay. All right. I have the 225 Slant 6 with mm-hmm. a 904 transmission. Okay. Um, the transmission is leaking, and I cannot find it to save my life. When does it I leak, say, Sherry? It's uh, definitely after it's been driven. Okay. Is it um, after it sits for a while? It seems to be kind of like it's not immediate. Cause we yeah, did, yeah. Um, Run it, clean it all out, run it, lay mm-hmm. underneath it forever. And just what, beg for you know, what most from. people tell me, Sherry, on older cars like that is if they drive the car every day, it really doesn't leak. But if they let it sit for a week, it does. And I don't know if that's the case with yours, but I hear that a lot. Yeah, and, it's not my daily. Yeah, okay. and what happens is that the leak is up above the level where the fluid normally rides because what happens, that thing holds about 12 quarts of fluid. Wow. But about six or seven of them are inside the torque converter. Uh-huh. Okay, so that drops the fluid level in the pan down to below where the pan gas gets at. 
So it's not going to leak until that torque converter eventually will drain down. The fluid is going to go back to the pan, which raises the fluid level. So that's why it's going to leak after a period of time. So what you're going to be looking for is things that are above the normal level, like some of the prime candidates on that would be either the dipstick tube seal, where the dipstick tube goes into the transmission. It's up above the pan level. And if you start it every day or you run it and then drive it somewhere and put it on a rack, they're not going to find a leak. Mm-hmm. because it has to sit for several right. days for the level to come back up. Now, there's a number of ways to find those. The easiest is probably to have someone add a fluorescent dye to the fluid. And what that's going to do is you can take a black light and go over the car, and wherever that fluid came out, it's going to leave a big old yellow light. You'll be able to see it clearly. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, what you can do is temporarily overfill the transmission. Just go ahead and dump another couple of quarts in there. That'll raise the fluid level up, and then you'll see it leaking out. Of course, you got to drain it back out before you run. I was there already say, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But it's well, going to be one of the seals that are above the normal level. Yeah, I did notice that was the first thing my husband says, check the dipstick. Mm-hmm. And, um, I did see some pink kind of coming around, cleared it off, ran it, mm-hmm. but haven't checked it again, but I'm going to be checking it today. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. hopefully maybe if I see the little pink tinge or so kind of coming out then i should be suspicious of the seal itself yeah yes. there's a rubber o-ring where that dipstick goes into the case mm-hmm. and what you have to do is pull the dips there's a bolt you take off you pull the dipstick out and then you change that o-ring and make sure mm-hmm. that there's no burrs or anything in the case and it's not corroded or anything it fits down in there tight and that will normally fix that particular leak there's also i think a governor on the side of the case that has a seal that can leak and you got the shift set Shift yeah. shaft, the shift uh, shaft seals, seals right. tail housing seal. There's even a front pump seal. There's a lot of seals. Yeah, no, we've already changed all of those. Okay. The, the mm-hmm. major ones for sure, and the fittings too. Were um kind of didn't come on top of that. Uh, yeah, I would kind of suspect that dipstick tube seal. I know it's pretty mm-hmm. common to leak after it's been sitting a while like that. Mm-hmm. Well, good. I'm gonna try. Can I ask you one other? You thing? bet. Sure. Just, just to see who's right. Okay. My husband insists that. Use gasket seal on that gasket, and everybody else tells me, no, you want a dry gasket on the pan. Yeah, no, we use a special gasket material, or we look for a special gasket material, but no, you do not put sealer on that at all. Thank you. It's installed dry, and it has to be perfectly (laughs) clean. It has no oil film on it. What I like to do is that after we clean the area up, take a soap and water type cleaner, like 409, and do a final cleaning with something like that or something like brake cleaner that'll totally evaporate. Because uh-huh. if you use a petroleum-based cleaner, it's going to leave a little film, and it's not right. going to adhere properly. But, no, perfectly dry. And, <laughs> and don't over-tighten it. Right. That's what I keep hearing. So yeah. I'm like, okay, do I get the torque wrench out and do it? Yes. And it's like 12. 12 inch pounds, probably. Yeah, 12 inch pounds. Yeah, and make sure the pan is good and straight, because if someone over-tightened in the past, the pan will be dimpled, and it'll leak forever. Right. So That's you have to... I'm- that's one of the things I'm worried about. How do you figure that out? How you can do you look at it, see it. You'll be able to see it or lay a straight edge across it. And you can lay it on a flat surface. Just take a hammer and very gently just tap it back down to where it's nice and flat. And like I so said, you can lay it on a nice flat surface like a tabletop and see if there's any air gaps anywhere. If they are, just straighten them down so it's laying flat. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Because that's one of the other things we said we mm-hmm. want to have was that right. just a warped Oh, absolutely. Yeah. they Real light. And what a lot of folks do is that when it starts to leak, the first thing they want to do is crank down on those bolts, which is the worst possible thing you can do because it just bends the pan and squeezes right. the gasket right. out and makes the leak worse. Right. I, right. I knew not to do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I knew not to do that. There you go. So, well, thank you so All much right, for your time and yes, your knowledge. Ma'am. You bet. Thank, thank you, you ma'am. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
All right, we got to take a quick little break. Don, hold on. You'll be straight up after this break. Travel. Hey, Agco Automotive is here to tell you some things are too good to be true. Like free beer tomorrow or lose weight on the ice cream and cheeseburger diet. Another thing too good to be true? The low price oil change. Automotive businesses will sucker you in with an under $30 oil change and then give you a huge list of recommended maintenance and repairs like flushes, brake work, rack and pinion leaks, oil leaks and more. Well, Agco says be smart. When you get the list, bring your vehicle to Agco and we'll provide you an honest evaluation of any problems you may be having. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Oh, and those beautiful models just waiting to talk to you late at night? Yeah, too good to be true. Welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Halvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tune Tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526. And we've got Don online. Good morning, Don. Hey, good morning, Lewis. i got a quick question you for bet. you. Then I'm going to hang up and listen to the answer. Uh, I've got an 06 GX470 Lexus. Okay. The dashboard is cracking. Uh-huh. Started out as a small crack. Mm-hmm. Now I've got cracks running all over the place. Right. I heard that this was a problem with the plastic compounding yeah. from Lexus. Yeah, a lot I of them having that trouble. I say it's not just it, Lexus. No, it's a lot of people yeah, having I, that problem. I haven't researched it, but give me a, a ballpark price of what we're talking about if I was to go ahead and change it out. And I don't know, Don. I'd have to look it up in service that. I have no idea. But I know They're it's all a big, different. big, 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 right. big deal. I mean, it's probably a 10-hour job to pull that dash out and replace it. Wow, okay. So, yeah. yeah. I tell you what they do make, Don. You might go online, and there's several people who make covers that it's not going to look like a brand-new dashwood, clearly, but it covers over it. It's form-fitted, and you slide it over it. And okay. for a tenth of the price of replacing the dash, you get a much nicer-looking thing. Right, really, from the outside, you can't tell it's yeah, been changed or correct. been covered. Oh, I know is Dodge had a lot. Uh, yeah, Dodge had a oh, lot, yeah. lot of trouble with that. Man, their dashes would basically fall Man, apart. Just about every Dodge truck had a broken dash. In oh it. yeah, it's yeah. just some of them look almost like a carpet type material. Others are made of a vinyl type material. Just you select the one you want, but it's right. molded yeah. to fit, and it just slips right over the dash. And it's not custom fitted where like the dash instrument cluster and all is fitted in there, but it basically right. covers up the cracked area. Looks a whole lot better than what you got now. And for the price, just a good, viable alternative. But go online, just Google something like Dash Cover Lexus, and it'll probably pop up. Well, the local Lexus guys, uh, Lexus won't uh, cover any, they won't do anything as far as warranties or anything. But, uh, okay, man, thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive, we'd love to have you. That's always kind of been a problem with the vinyl materials they use in Dashes. Right. And even going way back, well, I, way, I, had a, way back. I had a 76 model El Camino and the dash cracked in it like that. It just, oh. they're out in the sun all day long and right, the it sun just dries the, that vinyl out. And they just right. Crack. That windshield kind of magnifies the sun as it comes through and that's just the first thing it catches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had an old Mustang 
and you couldn't even see the instruments because the dash had Ball busted and broke and it, it <laughs> sunk down in front of the gauges. You had to kind of bend down to see the, the, the gauges in it. Yeah, when they started using plastic and vinyl and rubber and stuff on right. dashboards, I mean, I had a 55 Chevrolet that had a metal dash in it. Sure. The biggest thing I ever got, I had a dent in it one time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got behind it, knocked the den out, sand it down, put a little bondo in it, painted yep. it, looked like brand there, new. There you go. <laughs> Amazing what you can do with metal. That's right. Cars probably still run around with that dash in there. Oh, I'm sure. A lot of vehicles do have trouble with that. And, of course, if you have the wherewithal to keep your car out of the sun to a degree, in other words, if you can garage keep it, that's ideal, or even a carport or just some type of cover. I know they make all those reflective screens you can put in the windshield if you have to park out in the sun. Right. And those, and they're I nice. They, I don't know if they work or not. But well, they're nice to, to block the sun out of the car. Yeah, some of them work, work. Some of them don't. Some of them are a pain to put up. Yeah. Most of the time, you buy it with the intentions of putting it up, and it gets to be too big of a, That's right. a hassle to use it, and it doesn't get used. It gets thrown in the back seat. Putting it up, taking it down. Putting right. It up, taking it down. And see, the thing is that all that radiant energy comes through that windshield and generates heat, and... Anybody who's ever gotten into a car that's been sitting in the sun in South Louisiana knows, knows. <laughs> it's probably 150 degrees in that car. Oh, yeah. So you generate an awful lot of heat, and plastic just doesn't like a huge amount of heat like that. No, it doesn't. It's going to start to dry out the plastics and all that. And I've seen people who put these lotions and potions on them, and I've heard both ways on that. In fact, some people say that some of the ones that contain alcohol can actually dry it out and make it worse. Right. Another thing that a lot of them will do is they'll put a nice shine on that dash. So when you're driving at night and those headlights hit it, <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> you reflects can't see out. You can't see so anything at all. It can actually be almost dangerous from that perspective. And I think there are some of them that don't shine and right. on and on and on. Oh, there's, there's all kind of hocus products. pocus products out there for that. Especially we're talking hocus pocus products. Mm -hmm. Look at the tire shines and things of that nature. Right. And what folks don't realize is that the reason that tires kind of turn brown the way they do is because there is a chemical in the rubber which is an anti-ozonate it protects the rubber from ozone right and it secretes out of the rubber when the tire rolls and that actually protects the tire and what you do is you go in here with this nice alcohol cleaner and you wipe it all off shine it up well now you've actually made the tire vulnerable to the ozone so you're actually promoting cracking. Right, and, and we walls. see that on fairly new tires. I'm talking year, year and a half old. Yeah, we The sidewalls are all cracked up. A lot of cars in that had tire treatment put on a regular basis, tires would be cracked up. Another big problem with that is if you go to some of these car washes, they don't have trained technicians out washing, washing cars. cars. Correct. So they kind of spray that stuff, and it goes through the gaps in your wheel, gets all on the brakes, and exactly. causes all kind of brake problems. So exactly. Kind of a big no-no is the tire shine products. Right. Hey, one more quick little break. We'll be right back with more. Hey, Agco Automotive is here to tell you some things are too good to be true, like free beer tomorrow or lose weight on the ice cream and cheeseburger diet. Another thing too good to be true? The low price oil change. Automotive businesses will sucker you in with an under $30 oil change and then give you a huge list of recommended maintenance and repairs like flushes, brake work, rack and pinion leaks, oil leaks and more. Well, Agco says be smart. When you get the list, bring your vehicle to Agco and we'll provide you an honest evaluation of any problems you may be having. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Oh, and those beautiful models just waiting to talk to you late at night? Yeah, too good to be true. But I can't keep on 
Hey, welcome back to the Joint the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, True Tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us calls, 499-9526, and it'll be a lot more enjoyable us answering your questions and sitting here listening to me and Brian talk back and forth. I will guarantee that. <laughs> <laughs> Make a little announcement, too. Of course, our auto awareness class is today at 12 o'clock. And right. Unfortunately, class is full up. I guess fortunate for us. <laughs> for, yeah, for us, not yeah, for we you. Announced it last week, and before the end of the show, we had complete full. That's great class. So wasn't, that's wasn't, great. And, Looking and forward to it. Waiting list in case we got any openings. So yeah, it was very very well received this year because it's been a few years since we've held one, and it may be a few years we have another. I don't know, but I think it is a wonderful wonderful class great resource for folks who can avail themselves of it mm-hmm. sure it's a four-hour class it starts at 12 ends at four precisely that's right. if you know altazan you that's know right. he's on time so <laughs> old school <laughs> that's it it's a great class there's a lot of hands-on there's some classroom but mm-hmm. we actually take you out in the shop right show you what we just told you in, in the classroom, classroom. Mm-hmm. we actually show you on a vehicle right if you didn't get signed up for this class go ahead and call elaine during the week or something she'll yeah. put you on a list that's that right. way Next time we have the class, right. she can call you and you let you know. Go online at the website and just click on the auto awareness thing, and there's a little form that you can fill out. And what we do is always notify those folks first. And as a matter of fact, this year I had about four of those who were on that list who signed up before anybody else even heard about it. Uh-huh. So they got kind of the That's it. And that address is inside thing. That address <laughs> is agcoauto.com. Right. dot com. Right. And lots of other things you can do while you're on there. Put an article on this morning on cleaning those annoying yellow headlights. Yes. And that you know, seems to be of, a fast problem. Yeah, you see that a lot where your headlights turn yellow and what some folks might say is, Well, why would I clean them? I just go buy some more. Have you ever priced those? <laughs> They can you run can, anywhere from four to eight hundred dollars per side, right. To replace them, you can get them aftermarket, but they're not near what you're getting right from the factory in the right. Now, if you catch those lenses early, mm-hmm. you stand a whole lot better chance of keeping them clean you than waiting really, until they look like candles coming down yeah, the road. Really, really deteriorate to where they're affecting your lighting and all. It gets more difficult, but with a good sanding polishing process, you can generally bring those back almost to a hundred percent. Sure. And this article kind of details exactly how to do it, some safeguards, what materials you can use, and so on. So if you got a set of yellow headlights, you like to do it yourself. Of course, if you don't like doing it yourself, you can bring it to Agco, and we'll do it for you. Sure. We've got, a little, we got all the stuff to do it. we got all the stuff, and we've got a service where, for a minimal charge, we will actually polish those up for you. And if not, you can read how to do it yourself. There you go. There you go. <laughs> go to our phone lines. Joe, good morning, Joe. I hate to call you again, love. i got one question. Okay, go ahead. When they did that motor and they dynoed it, they put break-in oil in it. Mm-hmm. When I called the guy before I started the motor, mm-hmm. he said to leave that oil in that. But that oil been sitting in that motor five years. Okay. So do you think I should drop it? Well, yeah, you've already I mean, put you 400, already put miles, 400 on. miles on it, so any break-in yeah. you need to do is done. Yeah, I'd go ahead and change it out and put a better oil in it. What do you recommend for it? Well, it probably takes a 10W30, and you want to go with some type of a, just a high-quality oil. You might ask the guy who built the engine. A lot of those older engines actually required things that are not in modern oil because they operated different from modern oil. And there are some additives that you can put. I'm not real big on using additives, but in some cases where you have a flat tappet cam or something, you actually need to add something with maybe some molybdenum or whatever in it because they've taken that out of the modern oils because they've gone to roller cams and everything. Right. So Somebody you, told me to add zinc to it. Yeah, zinc right. or molybdenum or something like that. You might just ask the guy who built the engine what he would recommend because he's going to be most knowledgeable about it. But a good high-quality oil, and 
you know, a very high quality oil filter also yeah a good high quality oil filter and i would probably be changing that oil on a fairly regular basis i wouldn't push that out on a high performance engine no. like that i'd be doing it at least three or four times a year right what do you think about the raw purple oil it's a good product, same as Mobile One or any of the other fully synthetic products. It just doesn't seem to be readily available. Yeah, it's just a little harder to get. So what people do is they start out with that, but it becomes such a pain to them that they run low and need some, and they just go get something. And mixing all is way, way worse than just right. buying a product that's readily available. And I don't necessarily endorse anybody's product, but Mobile One is so readily available. I mean, you can buy it everywhere, and it's a good product. So that's what we use just so because people synthetic? can get it. It's fully synthetic, yes. Right. Okay. All right. All righty. Thank you. All right, Joe. All right, Thanks, yeah. man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Kevin online. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, man. How's it going? Doing great. Good morning. I got an old Ford Dodge. Okay. Half ton. Mm-hmm. And the air conditioning switch was only working on the first three settings. Okay. And then only working on the, the last two. And that just quit yesterday. No, it's not going to be the knob, not very likely. Most likely, it's going to be what they call the blower resistor or the blower transistor, depending right, on which one you got. And what happens, Kevin, the reason that that blows out and the reason it goes out at certain speeds, it's just a, either a bunch of little resistors or a bunch of little diodes that change the voltage to the motor, and that's what changes your speeds. And it will burn out on certain ones. Now, the thing is, the reason that it burned out in the first place is generally because that blower motor has gotten old. Uh, bushings are dragging it, and it's pulling too many amps, and that's what burned it up. So okay. when you put a new one in there, your average life expectancy is about two to three months, and it's going to do the same thing again. So All you right. end up having to change the blower motor in most cases. And if you've got an amp meter, you can test the amps on that motor. It should be about six to eight amps with it running. It might surge to as much as 10 on startup. But if it's running anywhere around 15, 16, 20 amps, you're pulling way too much. And it, it will burn up the switch. It will burn up the wiring harness. So you're going to have to swap that out as well as that resistor. Oh, okay. Then. All right. Where is that? Is that resistor by the blower motor? Yes, yeah, on the bottom of the evaporator housing under the dash, just inboard of the blower motor. All right. Thank you. Okay, man. Bye-bye. All right. 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we're going back to the phone lines with Herb. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. Sir. That man called a while ago about his oil. I had an 04 Volkswagen diesel, and it had 50501, which was very hard to find mm-hmm, oil. Mm-hmm. It was right. made castor oil, Germany, and Amazon made it. But now they probably some other people now. But that stuff, that's they have a mechanically actuated mm-hmm. injector running off the that's camshaft. That's right. right. And you'd eat the camshaft up if you that didn't put all that. was originally made by the old Bardall company. You remember Bardall? Mm-hmm. That's who made that all originally for Volkswagen, and it was their own product, and there was nothing else at one time that would meet the spec other than their all. Right, and if you didn't use it, they'd void your warranty oh, yeah, in a heartbeat. Right. Yeah, you'd, you'd have all kinds of problems. Folks lose sight of the fact that all does more than just lubricate the bottom end. It does all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. and it has all kinds of specific specifications. So you got to be very, 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 very careful, and modern cars are far, far worse about that than the old cars were. Right. That. Castor oil Germany is where that oil was coming from, not mm-hmm. Castor oil USA. And yeah. It was kind of hard to locate. So yeah, that's right. That's they right. They told me it would wipe the cam out if you didn't Oh, it put probably it in. would. Yeah. They got all kinds of different additives and stuff, and they can do that a lot on different cars. Like I said, the modern cars now, most of your newer vehicles require synthetic. That's no longer an option. Mm-hmm. You know, like I so said, you get a 2013 model GM product, it requires all that meets DEXO standard, and it's got to be at least a synthetic blend to meet DEXO standard. 
Anything right. else is not going to work. Even a Toyota or a Honda with a zero W twenty, that's got to be synthetic. That's not an option. It's just that's what it requires. And that oil is running the direct injection pump. It's running the tensioners on the hydraulics. It's running the variable cam timing. It's doing all kinds of stuff other than just lubricating the engine. So the days of just, well, I'm going to put this or I'm going to put that are way, way, way since gone. Right. Okay, I just right. wanted to pass it on to him in case he couldn't find something else. Then. Yep. Hi, right, right. man. Thanks, sir. Bye-bye. Bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive eye, we'd love to have you. That's one of those things, all specifications that – a lot of folks just don't understand, and back in the old days, well, I'm going to put 15W40 in everything I got. Well, okay, go ahead. That's, that's great. Yeah. That's great, man. But if you wipe out the catalytic converter and it costs you $2,500 to fix it, that's why it happened. Well, and, and back in the day, you didn't have catalytic converters. Right. You didn't have all Hydraulic the modern stuff. Right. You didn't have variable cam time. Right. And, and all really, back in the day, all it really done was lubricated the lubricated bottom end, engine. splashed a little on the top to keep the... The lifters and everything and leaked pumped out. up, and then it leaked out. Leaked out, made spots on the ground. Right. That's what it did. Now, today's vehicles are almost 180 degrees different yeah. from what you used to use and used to run. They still look the same, but they operate totally yeah, different. Yeah, totally, totally different. There's so many different systems and subsystems and this and that and the other. I know there's one of the General Motors products that has variable cam timing on it, and there's some little bitty screens in the openings of the solenoids that operate that. And if you put the wrong oil in there, or if you don't change your oil off enough, it'll plug those screens up. Right. And then, throw a check engine light, may even quit running. That's it. Then you're going to be into lubrication problems on the top end. Well, yeah, and on and on it goes. Of course, another classic example of that is the 5.43 valve engine, and even the 4.6 to a lesser degree, where if you're not putting the 5W20 synthetic blend, you can end up breaking the chain guides. Right. Because... It's got hydraulic tensioners on those chains. There's two chains in it. And what that hydraulic tensioner does is it pumps out like a little hydraulic ram, takes a slack out of that chain. Correct. Now, if you got the wrong oil or the wrong oil filter, what happens is that will relax overnight. And when you start it up, there's slack in the chain, so it jerks. And when it jerks, it slams that chain against a plastic guide and breaks it. And that is not a small job to fix. No, it's not. You and take fortunately, the whole motor apart to fix fortunately it. on that engine everything's in the front mm -hmm. now you have some of the things the four liter that actually has a chain on the back of the head yeah, that yeah. operates the same way the ford six cylinder a four liter engine yeah four liter mm -hmm. and the engine has to come out of the vehicle the whole thing has to be torn apart to get this tensioner and everything straightened out well in the back that's right of it. and another it's, classic it's terrible example of that is that 3.6 liter gm engine which in my opinion the chain is just woefully under designed to do the task and then they went ahead and stuck a direct injection pump, putting out 2,000 pounds of pressure, being driven by the cam on the back. So the timing chain will actually stretch on it. Sure. And you've got to pull the engine out of the car to replace timing chains. Oh, most definitely. So you're talking it's, major, major repair. Yeah, the, the days of the timing chain being about 8, 10 inches are gone. Man, most of your timing chains now are at 12 to 18 inches long. Or at least, and multiple chains on it. You're and right. they're all dependent on the oil type, not only for lubrication, but for tensioning and all that sort of thing. So you can end up with all kinds of big, big problems sure. by making substitutions. Going back to the phone line with Teddy. Good morning, Teddy. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Doing great. Morning. Good morning. Just great. I just called. I'm trying to do some preventive maintenance. Okay, I was good. Great. Wondering, I have a 2007 GMC pickup truck. Okay. It's got 55,000 miles. All right, sir. I was wondering, when would I change the rear end and transmission fluid? I use synthetic motor oil. Yes, okay. so the rear end should be done at 100,000 miles according to GM, and I like to do it about 85. Go back there and take the drain plug out mm -hmm. and finish filling it up. Yeah. Because true. GM tends to leave them a little low. Yeah. 
and so even, they'll run even out. You don't change it, go right. ahead and top it off because GM sends them out about a half a quart low most of the time, and they they want to do that so they don't leak. But it doesn't lubricate as well as it could. But you're probably good to around a hundred thousand that. The transmission I would do at fifty thousand. And okay. uh, on 07, that's going to take Dexron 6. That is not the same as Dexron 3. You have to put the Dex 6 in it. Which is a synthetic now. That is correct. 6 is a synthetic. 3 is not. Okay. Well, that was my next question. Should I switch it to synthetic? No, it's, it's already, already got synthetic, synthetic in, it. in it. All right, sir. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I've been listening to y'all for years and first time I've ever called. Oh, well, great. Great. And, uh, one last thing, Teddy. If you hadn't done it already, be sure you change that engine coolant, the Dex Cool. Because you're seven years old, and so that, that, regardless of the mileage, that's going to be way, way depleted and starting to eat your system up. So be sure you get that out of it. And if you want a real detailed account of how to do it, just go on my site. I got several articles, but there's one on how to change coolant, and it'll tell you things you never would have imagined about right. coolant. All right, Lord, All right. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, All right sir. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 499-9526 the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. We're going to take one last quick little break. We'll be right back with more. Hey, Agco Automotive is here to tell you some things are too good to be true. Like free beer tomorrow, or lose weight on the ice cream and cheeseburger diet. Another thing too good to be true? The low price oil change. Automotive businesses will sucker you in with an under $30 oil change and then give you a huge list of recommended maintenance and repairs like flushes, brake work, rack and pinion leaks, oil leaks, and more. Well, AGCO says be smart. When you get the list, bring your vehicle to AGCO and we'll provide you an honest evaluation of any problems you may be having. Want to know more details about upsells and wallet flushes, plus tons of other automotive info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Oh, and those beautiful models just waiting to talk to you late at night? Yeah, too good to be true. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. i got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll answer any questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526. And we're going to phone lines with Rick. Good morning, Rick. Hey, good morning, Louis. How you doing? Doing great, sir. Quick question. I have a 93 Ultima uh, Maxima. And I, the problem I'm having with it, I have air conditioning, but it will quit blowing cold air. Okay. Turn off the system. Put it back on, you know, it, it comes back on. Uh-huh. It does this regularly. Okay. What it you need operates. to do, Rick, is next time it quits blowing cold air, just stop the car, raise the hood, look down and see if the compressor's still turning. All right. And if the compressor's not turning, then you are into some kind of an electrical issue, like the clutch kicking out or something like right. that. If the compressor is still turning, you're more likely into something like the system freezing up and turn it off, it thaws out and starts working again. And it doesn't mean necessarily the evaporator core freezing up. It can have just some moisture and can freeze and plug your orifice tube and make it. But that's going to be the key to finding it is just, you know, you can see the front of the compressor and it turns when it engages and right. it quits turning. Just watch that when it quits doing, look down and see. Now, if you want to go a step beyond that, if you got a voltmeter, if it quits turning, reach down with the voltmeter and put it across those two terminals. And if you still got 12 volts across two terminals and it's not turning, the clutch is bad. If you do not have 12 volts, then you get a little more involved. you got to check back and see where you're losing voltage. And there's articles on my website about how to check for that kind of stuff. But 
that would be what you'd be looking for. Now, if it's got 12 volts, the compressor is still turning and it's not cooling, then we're more likely either into a system that's freezing up, possibly a blend door that's moving and cutting the air from flowing through the core or something like that, which would be more involved. But you can need to know that to really know which way to go. All right. Your length told me, suggested me where to go. Mm-hmm. And could it possibly be where in that switch where you open cold, you know, you can yeah. adjust mm-hmm. the temperature? Yeah, it's it possible. Well, it could be there. There's a part called a thermal amplifier. There's lots of places it could be. Okay. But without right. knowing where to start looking, you see, right. you're you run out of money before you run out of guesses. So you got to have a structured approach. You got to right. see is you know, the compressor's not coming on and has no voltage going to it. Well, now we suspect in the switch, in the thermal amplifier, and all those kinds of things. But if I got power to the clutch when this occurs, we forget all that. Right. This is something you don't want to start throwing parts right. at. And if because got, if it gets messed up, if the compressor comes apart or something, man, you're looking at an entire system. Right, right. now, it's working. Yeah. So right. you need somebody. Yeah. And see, can you do, got can power take care of and ground at the clutch, and the clutch is disengaged, and we're into a clutch call. No use checking all this other stuff. Right. So you can save so much money with simple tests. And feel like you're not equipped, or you just don't want to do it. You can always bring it to the shop, and they can do it for you. Something like that's yeah. going to take just a matter of minutes for them to check. All right. I brought my Corolla to you a year and a half ago. Y'all took care of my problem mm-hmm. real quick, and you know, it's still going like it's supposed to. Well, so good deal. That. Yeah, that's pretty great, right. man. All right. Okay, I'll Rick. Check out. See y'all later. Thanks for calling, man. Bye bye. Four nine 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 five two six the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I we'd love to have you. And we've got Ted's been patiently holding. Good morning, Ted. Good morning. Yes, good sir. Morning. Pretty basic question. Okay. I have a Mazda six mm-hmm. two thousand five model. Okay. And well, my owner's manual doesn't recommend any particular type of all other than, the, I, guess, I think it's 20 weight, 5W20. Probably 5W20, right? Yeah. But with regard to synthetic or mm-hmm. synthetic blend, I, I typically get the synthetic blend. Okay. Is that okay or is it preferable to use pure synthetic oil? If the car oil? doesn't specify anything it only specifies 5w20 and the blends gonna be more inadequate that's going to give you more protection than a straight all wood slightly less than a fully synthetic but if the car doesn't require a fully synthetic and yeah you're good with that not everybody needs synthetic all ted right. and i've got an article on my site should i use synthetic all or not uh-huh. go in and read that it'll tell you all the reasonings behind all the different things okay. but Putting synthetic oil in an engine that doesn't require it when your operating conditions don't require it is kind of like buying a 16-ounce porterhouse, cutting off four ounces, eating and throwing the rest away. Okay. You know, there's just no real advantage to it. So you want to get something that's adequate, maybe a little bit more than adequate, and go with that. But I would say you're probably good with what you're doing. Okay. So a synthetic blend is probably sufficient. I would think it would. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. That's all I wanted to know. All right, Mr. Ted. Thank you. Thanks for calling, Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. 499-9526, 499-9526, number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I think we can sneak another call in there. We got Steve online. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning. How you doing, Luke? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Hey, I have a 2001 GMC half-ton Sierra pickup truck. Okay. And the 15-amp horn fuse keeps blowing on okay. it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, the horn, I can't imagine drawing that much amperage. Well, they might. that's pretty common, Steve. What yeah. happened, GM, in their infinite wisdom, mounted those horns with the opening pointing up. And when you drive through the rain, water gets down inside that horn, and it tends to short it out. And that's pretty common for them to blow that fuse. Most common, we change the horns when we got that problem. I'm not saying that is absolutely your problem, but most common, that's what we end up changing is the horns. Huh, okay. They, well, there are some other things that can do it, obviously, any kind of short anywhere in the system. Mm-hmm. And if you had an amp meter, you could actually measure that pretty easily. But 
those horns, when we put them back on, generally we flip them over where they're pointing down where the rain won't get into them. But I have seen that, and you cut them apart, and they just all rusty inside, and that rust is drawing way more amps than what it's supposed to. All right. Great information. All right. All right, sir. Thank you, sir. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Goodbye. All right, four nine 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 five two six is the number, and I think we just about out of time. Might That's be able, it. Might be able to sneak another call. If you, yeah. call, if you call real fast and make it real quick, we'd probably sneak another one in there. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of those problems where most cars, you don't ever see a horn go bad. No, you, you don't. You really expect the horn to kind of last the life of the car, but the Chevy trucks have had some issues with that. Chevy, it's not all of them. No, but Chevrolet has had issues with a lot of things that the average call, person are silly. You know, it shouldn't happen, well, but they do. You call them pattern failures Correct. because it's design issues. And what gets me about them is that they built a pretty good truck. They really did. Right. But with a little bit of effort, they, they could have built, built a really good truck. They could have built a great truck. And they truck. just didn't put a little effort into it. No. And they go on for years and years and years with the same stuff. Right. They don't ever seem to want to fix it. They just keep on. As long as we are silly enough to buy it, they're going to keep gonna, on building They're going to keep putting it out there. And you could say the clunk in the steering column has been going on for 20 years. The reaction shell in the 4L60E that breaks and you lose second gear in reverse at 130,000 miles. The EVAP solenoids that keep going EVAP out every year. EVAP solenoid where check engine light pops on once a year. I mean, on yeah. and on and on. The I know. power door locks that quit working. The power windows that strip out. The dashboards that are reading yeah. 150 miles an hour when you're and doing sitting still, sitting still, right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's just, just silly stuff. It is, and it's all stuff that can be fixed. Most cases, there are parts available. Sometimes aftermarket components that are a lot better than the originals that you can put on there sure. and fix these problems. Sure, but it's like they—I I don't know if they don't care or what it is. Well, they're still selling cars. They sell a lot of you trucks. know they they sell a lot of vehicles, and as long as people are still buying them. They're going to keep pushing that junk out there. Well, a guy was asking me the other day, he says, man, aren't American cars getting a lot better? I said, one thing American cars are getting a whole lot better at, and that's advertising. Oh, yeah. Man, they got some wonderful advertisement, and if you are the kind of person who believes that, you're going to think this is the greatest thing you ever got. That, that is it. But, but we all need to stand up and say, hey, we're not going to accept this anymore. Yeah, yeah. the reality you know, kind of falls a lot short of the promise, and I don't know how they continue I, to get by with it, but they seem to. I, I know. Maybe that's why they got bailed out a while back. Yeah, on and on and on it seems to go. But, boy, it's just really, really disappointing. You know, the American people spoke, and uh, the American government covered it up for us. <laughs> you just never know, man. There you go, boy. Hey, I tell you, we're just about totally out of time. I want to give a big old thank you out there to folks who listen to us on podcast. That's right. Listen to us. Tell your friends about us. Get some more people listening, because... We like to have people listen to us and phone calls to answer. and That's right. Plus, it moves us up in our ratings on iTunes, which gets a lot more people can find us. Go ahead and give us a written rating if you don't mind. Same thing on Stitcher. Give us a written rating on there. That's hey, it. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.